What goes on inside the mind of the Singapore consumer? The Kiasunomics podcast series unravels the way Singaporeans behave across different domains like spending, transport, environment, superstition, schooling, and housing markets. Backed by multiple research studies, NUS Business School professors examine the quirks, psychology, and mechanics behind the daily economic decisions of Singaporeans. Welcome back to another episode of Kiasunomics podcast. I'm an academic, I also am a teacher, and every semester I'm teaching a class, and at the end of the semester I have to deal with grading, and I have to figure out what do students get. Do they get an A, an A minus, B plus? It's a tough job. I mean, it's very hard to decide is A minus better than A or uh, less than A versus better than B plus? And what does it mean eventually to the employer? Do they really look at these fine grading? But in real life, I mean, this is happening to me all the time. There is an individual's credit score I carry, which goes from 1 to 800. So clearly, the private sector values this fine grading a lot. On the other hand, when I go to get my driving license, they tell me either I pass or fail. They don't tell me you pass a little bit so you can drive a mile, you didn't pass, so you can't drive at all, or you passed with flying colors, then you can drive all the way to Malaysia. So it's a confusing kind of a scenario where how fine of a grading should we have? So today we thought we'll invite Professor Andy Rose, who is a professor in the finance department at NUS Business School, who has actually thought about this issue and actually looked at the data, especially in the context of grading for students on their, uh, for their classes. So we wanted to get his perspective and see what has he found, what was his thinking going into this research, and what are the implications. So let's start with welcoming Andy. Andy, welcome. Thanks, it's a pleasure to be here. So Andy, tell us what motivated you to think of this question. I mean, I myself grapple with this, that what is the, fine, what is the appropriate level of uh, granularity we should have in any uh, kind of determining of grades or any outcome? Well, there were really two motivations for me. The first thing is I've noticed over the years that students, particularly NUS students, are simply obsessed with grades. That's especially true at the undergraduate level. The second thing that I've noticed is that employers are not only interested in grades. They're looking for potential employees who might be good fits for their company. And employees frequently are judged not simply on the basis of whether they're book smart, but whether they're broad, whether they have good soft skills, good people skills, whether they're adventurous or not. And what we want to do at the business school is ensure that our students are well-matched to potential employers for the workplace. Thank you. I mean, that's a good way to think about it on what motivated you to think about this question is because you're looking at this tension. On the one hand, the students are very, very focused are excessively focused on am I getting an A versus A minus, whereas the employer may have a very different perspective or take on it. So what, what, what did you do to kind of look into this question? What kind of data, what kind of analysis, what kind of 
you undertook to study this question? Well, the first thing that I did is read part of the very extensive literature on what is the purpose of grading. Now, one of the things that we care about with a grading system is encouraging appropriate behavior. Clearly, part of the motivation for student academic engagement are the incentives provided by grading. Although everyone also knows that grading can lead to an excessive focus on and competition for grades. But the grading system is also supposed to do other things. We want to encourage students to be adventurous. Um, that's especially true in Singapore, where students often choose at the age of 16 which subjects they're going to be studying because they have to choose their university major well before they enter university. We also want the grading system to encourage teamwork and to facilitate experiential learning. We also care a lot about encouraging suitable extracurricular and co-curricular engagement because leadership is extremely important to potential employers. And when students join clubs or organizations and they engage in networking, that facilitates activities and human capital development that's really important to recruiters. Um, we also want a grading system to be transparent and equi equitable and just. And we also want grades um, only to maintain reasonable levels of stress. And the stress appears in two groups, students that are excessively focused on grades, at least at NUS, and also faculty that are stressed, as you said, by having to create this artificial division between students that get an A minus and those that get a B plus. So the first thing to do is figure out what it is that you want the grading system to accomplish. Okay, so that sounds like a perfectly good segue to get into the data. What is the current grading system at NUS? And what would you think is the appropriate grading system at NUS, or business school at least? So every serious university, and NUS is certainly a serious university, allows students to fail if they don't master this basic subject material. So I'm, I'm going to assume that everyone agrees on that. F is always an option. However, um, going beyond that, NUS, like many quality universities, has 10 ways that you can pass. A plus, A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus. Um, and that means that students often compete with each other and don't cooperate with each other because they think to each other, if this person gets an A minus, my probability of getting an A minus fall. So, the solution that many other institutions have um, chosen to adopt, and which I think is wise, is to adopt a course grading system. And in particular, at the business school this year, we have simply um, uh, recently shifted over to a course grading system with only three passing grades, distinction, merit, and pass. Distinction is given to the top 20 or 25% of students who do really, really well. Pass is given to the bottom 10% of students who have mastered the material sufficiently to earn a passing grade, but who have shirked or not done so well or don't really understand it. But almost everyone else gets merit. So they're not in competition with each other and they're encouraged to take courses that they might feel a little bit uncomfortable with to be adventurous or perhaps to engage in co-curricular leadership activities. Um, in general, it's led to a more relaxed environment inside the classroom 
with, so far as I can see, a negligible effect on academic performance. So essentially, you envision this having an impact on multiple dimensions. One is they are going to become more adventurous in taking classes, which they would have otherwise thought the competition would be so high and negatively affect their grade because the finer grading system was much more harsher on themselves. And the second view you have is by doing this, there is no negative effect in terms of what is happening most likely in the labor market. As you started out by saying, in the labor market, employers may not necessarily be paying attention to this finer grading system. They, they care holistically what, what, what are they getting, what the product they are getting, which is leadership, which is about intellectual capability, which is about actually understanding the material as well. And so having seen this, I mean, have you seen other universities that have done this or any kind of anecdotal examples where you think this has worked and it will be better? Or how do you envision NUS? Do you see envision NUS pushback from students or potentially employers saying that, oh, we preferred the other system? Completely reasonable question. Um, <clears throat> We adopted exactly the grading system um, that's used by a reasonably well-known and reasonably well-respected institution that's used it for many years very successfully. And um, they use it in part to encourage lots of extracurricular activity because club organizations are very important to students to broaden their horizons and, and, and also to potential employers. Um, and that institution that, that, that we stole this idea from is called Harvard Business School. They've been using it for decades and decades very successfully. We can't complain. If Harvard is using it, why aren't we adopting it? I mean, as uh, I can imagine, the teachers or the professors would love it because they struggle with it every year. And any thoughts on, clearly, if Harvard is doing it, they have understood the need by the employers, and the employers in the US must be accepting it or liking the system. Uh, any survey or any evidence we have in Singapore where the employers are your own thoughts on what do you think from the labor market perspective? Completely reasonable um, question, and unfortunately, it's simply too early. So what we're doing at this point is we surveyed um, the data before we switched from a fine to a course grading system. Um, we're preparing at this point um, to survey again. We'll probably um, do two surveys after the implementation. Um, the informal evidence at this point is that it's going well and that um, faculty feel less stressed, and by all accounts, students feel less stressed, and the club system that we've set up at the master's level is thriving at this point. It could be a coincidence. We don't know yet, but we will be following the data. There is no reason to believe that there's going to be any reduction in academic effort, and we think it will be very much to the benefit of both students their, and their, their potential employers. So... Obviously, you are experimenting with this in the business school. Do you think this could be then implemented more widely at NUS, where other uh, schools could realize and learn from it? And actually, it helps everybody. I mean, for, I, uh, your arguments are very compelling, from the students for, to the academics, to the faculty, and to the employer. So is this like a test bed for the university to adopt it in the future? Good question, and the answer is yes. Um, we're rolling it out at this point. 
um, just at the master's level at the business school. Um, but there is a lot of enthusiasm elsewhere in the campus. And if our experiment goes well, as we think it will, and as it has so far, we expect it to be adopted more widely at the master's level. After a year's gap, we will probably also try to do it at the undergraduate level. That's what's in process now. And if it succeeds, again, as I expect it will, the students seem very enthusiastic about it, we expect it to, after a suitable pause, uh, to be rolled out more broadly at NUS. Oh, this was great conversation with Andy Rose. I mean, as you heard him speak about it, the benefits are essentially the potential benefits we can envision from going from this very finer system of 10 ways of passing a class to essentially three different outcomes. Essentially, you pass or you, you're doing okay or you, you have distinction. Uh, sounds very reasonable. I mean, this is how I think life works. Nobody gives you an A, an A minus, a B plus. Nobody actually understands what those things mean anyway. So this was, uh, we want to thank Andy for coming and joining us on our podcast. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you more interesting research-based insights on a wide range of topics in business and economics. Subscribe to our channel now.